1: Hello again, Pats, pals, and Foxborough friends, the worldwide over of Patriots Nation, and we welcome you to the latest edition of Six Rings and Football Things, a podcast brought to you by WEI and WEI.com, Odyssey Sports, and 2400 Sports. I'm your old pal, Nick Fitzy Stevens, joined today by the one and only Mr. At Jumbo Hart himself, Andy Hart. Good morning, Andy. How are you?
0: Hi, Fitzy. Do I look bright today in my bright orange sweatshirt?
1: Those of you that are currently watching live across the Fitzy GFY socials can see that I dressed for a Patriots podcast and Andy Hart looks like he wants to be the assistant offensive line coach for the Cleveland Browns.
0: Oh, is that the guy that when he blows his whistle, his
1: belly (laughs) goes up in the air? (laughs) (laughs) That was truly one of the greatest moments in recent years. uh, what the hell is the name of that show? Uh, uh Hard Knocks hard, the that, that yes. guy, the big chubby guy from Cleveland at Hard Knocks. That was absolutely spectacular.
0: The greatest uh, belly we've ever seen until this edition of Six Rings. Uh,
1: already, already taking cheap shots across the bow of our friend from Patriots.com. They were formerly cantankerous colleagues, providing you lots of asinine analysis, argumentative ball game talk. Patriots pandering, and so much more. My pal and yours at PFW, Paul, the one and only Paul Perillo joins the pod today. Come on, in, Paul. How are you? I love the Patriots pandering because nobody panders like Andy Hart. That's a great one right there. I, I call see, it positive trolling. I gave you your lower third. Positive trolling. Positive trolling. You are at PFW Paul, the OG of Patriots grumpiness. Of course, he is at Jumbo Heart, the gridiron grump himself. And I'm at Fitzy GFY here for Mac Jones' big second season. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys for following along on the podcast. And give us a follow on Twitter at Six Rings Pod. Rate, review, subscribe, and so much more. On today's podcast, we'll have further OTA thoughts as Paul and Andy were down in Foxborough to observe the Patriots' optional training activities or whatever you like to call it. I see I well, get it wrong every time on purpose just because I like to I like to idiot. troll you. I know. No, it, well I mean I'm an idiot in a certain regard but not necessarily when it comes to doing that. Uh we'll continue uh the offensive play calling gripes and woes. We'll play a little game called Bigger Impact. We'll take your questions and so much more. Gentlemen, let us begin today by uh reviewing your thoughts on the second edition of OTA's in Foxboro. I know this one um was described as the hungover slap and tickle. There really wasn't much going on. A few notable absences. Paul, what would you say became clearer after you watched the latest edition of OTAs down at Gillette?
2: That's a great question, because I'm not sure uh, we had a whole lot uh, become clearer. I, I guess if if pressed, I'll say that Bill Belichick continues to be 100% focused on the offense, and that's a little bit of a departure from what we're used to. He usually spreads himself around, and if anything... It's more on the defensive side. But this is twice now we got a chance to watch a, a practice, and Bill is pretty much 100%, Andy, wouldn't you say, on offense? Yeah,
0: that was my biggest takeaway, not just that he's there, but sort of the hands-on nature. I blogged something yesterday about, you know, there was that series when I forget who the receiver was, but he was, like, telling him exactly where he wanted him and how to catch the ball. Then he went back to Bailey Zappi and told him exactly how he wanted the ball thrown. Like, now, the one thing I will say is I am not beyond questioning Bill Belichick for – uh, controlling the narrative with some theater, so to speak. Is this, it, should we put all the emphasis on Bill as actually running the offense? It's all Bill all the time. Or is this an effort to get idiots like us to say, oh, it's all Bill's offense. And that way we won't spend any time ripping Joe Judge and Matt Patricia when the wheels fall off
2: in September? <laughs> <laughs> what, when, when, do- did
1: you hear this? When? Yeah, when? 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 There's no if to it. He's been so incredibly negative. So much so, Paul, that everyone who knows me as the Foxborough fanboy, as Mr. Positive Patriot, I now am starting to get radiation sickness from just having to do multiple radio shows and podcasts with Andy to a point where some people think he's coming across as more positive than I am. See, it's well, that's, funny, that's he's the blaming
2: trolling. Yes.
1: 50 got a hint of objectivity
0: since joining this podcast, and now he blames it on me like it's a bad thing. But, no, Paul, do you – is there any chance that – because I think, you know, Florio had that convoluted theory that Bill's doing all this because he should have fired his son, but he's not going to fire his son. So if he can't fire his son, he can't fire anyone and just puts it all on himself. Everybody's under the umbrella of Bill Belichick's protection, I guess. I do
2: wonder if if there's an ulterior motive there. You know, with – obviously, he doesn't want to name his son the defensive coordinator – and the whole thing with Mayo and Steve Belichick and who knows exactly who's in charge. I wonder if maybe he looks at things like that and it's like, well, I'm not going to name a coordinator, but see, I'm being consistent. I'm not going to name an offensive coordinator either. Obviously, he didn't have that opportunity with Josh McDaniels, who had been here so long. He was clearly the offensive coordinator. I wonder if if maybe that's part of the reasoning. And I really don't think, and this is the part where you can call me the positive troll, Fitzy, I, I, I really don't think that he... It matters to him. I think with Bill they're going to figure out everybody's role and that's what it is. They don't need to have anybody ostensibly with the title in, in Bill's mind. That oh, I, yeah. I, well, I really well,
1: believe that. I've been a firm longtime believer that once you give something a title uh, or you, you label it and you name it then you clearly define it and that's not necessarily all that it can become but that's just what it is and it is what it is. You're the offensive coordinator. This is sort of of such a massive phase shift of the Patriots, like the biggest year to me in Bill Belichick's 3.0 Patriots, that he just wants football mind that he can trust as he sort of tries to develop what they're going to do next. We don't, we know the offense is going to evolve. The defense is going to shift massively. Uh, the hand has been tipped on that by flooding the backfield with safeties that can also be linebackers, smaller cornerbacks, etc. So I'm on, my only concern is that they be organized Uh, obviously productive and watchable and just clean up the mistakes from aisle 2021. That's my biggest concern. If you don't get punts blocked, you don't have those boneheaded penalties and guys are where they need to be. That's all I care. I don't care who's called what, what your fancy title is your business cards, your lanyard, your little desk uh, marker. Don't care about that. And I don't think bill does either. See, I would agree with that. If we were talking about a staff that included,
0: um, Josh McDaniels, Bill O'Brien, Nick Caley, and Charlie Weiss. Or, or, like, if they were all offensive minds, I'd be like, I don't care who gets the credit. I don't care who gets the blame. I have a, a lot of faith in their abilities to do the job. They're all great offensive coaches. But that's not the situation. Right now, based on what we've seen, Paul, I would say the hierarchy of Patriots coaching is, on offense, Bill Belichick, yep. Joe Judge, yep. Mac Jones, Matt Patricia, <laughs> Nick Cayley, like that would be my order of operations, and yeah, I'm gonna re- I'm gonna revisit that and say it again. Bill Belichick, known mm-hmm. for his defense and a head coach and a GM,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, Joe Judge, known for special teams and being an a-hole head coach who got run out of town in New York because it fell apart. The wheels there fell was off. there was a
1: little hardo tryhardism there, and a and, little. And, I, okay, I was being I was being nice. Yeah, he oh he fa- he failed miserably because obviously he was not able to learn from the prior mistakes of. McDaniels, Patricia et al, who went out and tried to be Bill as opposed to just doing their own thing.
0: He also failed miserably because the young first round quarterback that he inherited, who has questionable talent as it is, regressed under his leadership. And now he is inheriting a young first round quarterback with questionable talent who is under his leadership.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you, it's interesting, you know, I mean, not that we're going to turn this into the Giants podcast, but we could. You know, that's with a right. guy like Dable, who is coming off uh, a lot of success with a young sort of uh, unpolished quarterback, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see if Daniel Jones makes some strides this year and then how much that sort of adds to the spotlight on Joe Judge. And let yeah, me ask you a question. That's a good is point, Is Daniel Paul.
0: Jones teaching uh, Brian Dable the way Mac Jones is?
2: No, and that's part teaching- of it. That You know, when, when Mac Jones talked last that, – that was the first day we got to go out there. Uh, right. I thought Mac Jones spent a lot of that time, guys – talking about his role in you know in, in in all of this you know play calling uh structure, whatnot i I, I don't think that that's a, a really good recipe for success with a young guy. I, I don't think Tom Brady had that kind of responsibility uh you know in his second year as a starter and he had won a Super Bowl uh, you know coming off it, uh, off that first year in 01. so I think that's asking a lot of a player.
1: Yeah, but so, at the same at the same time though paul i just want to I, I don't want to keep being the guy that like bangs the drum and plays the trumpet for what mac jones is capable of not just on the field physically but as a- an offensive mind organizer of team etc uh don't you think that as as accomplished as tom brady was by the end of his second season winning that super bowl obviously he made some massive contributions along the way and steadied the team as he took over for bledsoe but That team was so defense-driven, whereas I'm not necessarily sure yet which way this team is driven. Is this going to be a more offensive-driven team this year? Is it going to be a more defensive-driven team? And don't you think that the way that they're organizing things showcases how much trust they feel they can put in Mac Jones's slightly smaller than Tom Brady's hands?
2: I I mean, like I said, I think that's a stretch. Uh, I, I don't think this is about Mac Jones. I think this is about what they have. Um, and I, I think they're trying to make the best of it. I, I would say that Belichick's presence with you know the construction of everything, you know the right. game plans. I I think he's always been involved you know heavily in offensive and defensive game plans. But this to me is a little different. Andy and I have always been sort of lockstep on you know the actual play call. Like the play calling itself is a little overrated. But at the same time, you can't just have a guy who's never really had a feel for it. Just step in and assume that he's going to be great at it. Maybe Joe Judge will be great at it. I, I thought uh, on Tuesday, I thought we saw more of Mac Patri- uh, Matt Patricia with Mac Jones. Now they were doing a lot more running game stuff. So, you know, Andy tried to get it out of uh, Bill Belichick a little bit with running game coordinator, passing game coordinator. If you're looking from the outside and you're just sort of trying to, you know, connect all the dots, that's what it looks like. It looks like Joe Judge is passing game guy, Matt Patricia is running game guy. I think it can work if those guys are successful, but I think those are big question marks.
1: Uh Andy, I got two reality show based questions that I want to throw at the two of you for the Patriots offense. Number one. Revolution uh Island. <laughs> yeah. Okay, on this episode of Below Deck New England Patriots edition. Um, I thought I would throw I thought I would go the boat way because I know that makes you happy, Andy. Yes, it does. Paul, do you think there's any chance that uh this is an audition to see who should be the play caller? So uh you know, like Are Patricia and Judge and possibly Kaylee auditioning throughout the next couple of months so Bill can get an idea? He wants to set the offense, but he wants to see who he thinks he can trust the most on most Sundays, one Monday and two Thursdays, I believe. Um, And do you think also there's any possibility that going about – putting together an offense, like an episode of chopped where you just like three here, here's a couple of players. Here's a couple of coaches who know football, uh, 30 minutes go. Like, do you think there's any way that can work or is this a recipe for disaster? Andy? Yeah.
2: like For me, the, the offense can work. I think, you know, it, it, it's going to remain to be seen because I think these guys have a lot to prove because of what Andy said. I mean, they've, you know, one guy has been almost all defense in his career. Another guy has been mostly special teams in his career. Uh, I think that's asking a lot. It can work. I think these, I mean, I think these guys know football. I don't, I don't think there's really, you know, anybody arguing say, these guys don't know anything about what they're doing, but I, I think it's a tough way to put it together to answer your specific question about the, the audition, you know, for lack of a better term, I've been on record as saying that Bill knows right now exactly who's going to be calling the plays. But based on the two days of OTAs that I watched, I think I might be wrong. I think there might be a little some something like that. First of all, it might be more collaborative than, than I thought it would be. And maybe he is sort of watching these guys and figuring out how it works best and maybe how Mac responds to one or the other. Um, and maybe looks for the comfort there with Mac Jones. I kind of feel like, you know heading into OTAs i felt like bill bill has told people what what's going on for whatever reason they don't want to let us know what's going on but i think bill knows but now i'm i'm kind of wondering if i'm wrong about that
0: so i um i have kind of felt all along at least since the first OTA that it's it's joe judge's role to lose that's kind of how i felt um i certainly even kind of felt stronger about that i don't know if i'm paul i'm sure you saw some of the comments from matt castle talking about how you know seven teams 14 years the play caller was in the quarterback's room he feels like that person needs to be in the quarterback's room because otherwise there can be a lack of communication little things fall through the crack that guy has to be around the quarterback most of the time so i still feel like it's joe judge's role to lose now i've been trying to Um, take these guys at their word. And Joe Judge was very emphatic when we spoke with the assistants, those back-to-back days, conveniently for us as media, that didn't hurt us in any way. It was very thankful uh, for all of us. Um, When he said, you know, I'm going to be point blank. Bill hasn't declared that. He he won't. We don't need to know. There's no egos in this room. When when he declares that, we'll move. Like, I'm going to take him at his word. He definitively and very point blank said, no one knows yet who's calling plays. I agree with you. I think Bill probably knows whether he's told them or not, whether they're lying or not. I don't know. And I think it's judge. But, you know, Paul, uh, the famous Andy Hart uh, ifs theory that if you have a lot of ifs, best case scenario, half those ifs turn out for the positive, whatever the number is. Like, generally, if you have two significant ifs, I feel pretty good chance one might be positive. You'll get the the upside. You're going to get the downside.
2: Doesn't this offense feel like it's built on a pile of ifs? Yeah, and you know what the thing that might be the scariest is I think, I think built on a pile lots, of you know, ifs. It's true. I think there <laughs> are a lot of I think there were a lot of ifs. I think there might be fewer ifs on offense than defense. That might be the scariest part. Um, you know. Really. So, you wow. skipped down the legal pad of topics I wanted to talk about with the great Paul Perillo. Uh, yeah, I mean. There's a couple of things. I, I like your your if see Andy and I spent a lot of time together. So we do you, have you guys
1: kind of do have something between like Patriots talk shorthand and jazz, which yeah, I appreciate but, as well. You know,
2: with with the with the with the with the, with the, with the ifs though, Fitzy, like I, I know we we focused an awful lot on the offensive coordinator. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. that we shouldn't be. I think it's an enormous story. I don't I think it's rather unprecedented in the league. I can't think of any team that ever went into a season.
1: With, with uncertainty as to who was going to call plays. And well, have no, you ever, but have you ever met anyone who like... wants to do that differently than Bill Belichick? Uh, Bill Belichick continues to either incidentally be or go out of his way to be the guy who does something differently. Or he's lost his mind at 70.
2: Yeah, I don't think that he's done a lot of things that are, have been like this. I, I mean, I, I don't really have any – I don't have any comparison to make. But, I, I, like, again, I don't think that it's something we shouldn't be talking about as much, but I think it's sort of clouding – what I think is, like, sort of an average roster. Yes. And and I look at, you know, Andy talks about all his ifs. The best-case scenario is, some you know, some of those ifs, maybe half of those ifs pan out. Well, I look at what the rest of the league did in the offseason and specifically in the AFC. And for the Patriots, best-case scenario is some of those teams, it won't work. It, you know, that look good on paper right now won't pan out. Right. But even if some of them don't, I mean – it's unrealistic to expect all of the teams that made major improvements, you know, Miami, Cleveland, Denver, the Raiders, the Chargers. I mean, it's unrealistic to expect all of those teams to not have it all work out for them. And that, to me, is the bigger issue that the Patriots are facing as they're getting prepared for training camp. Are they, do they Will they have enough on the field, regardless of the coaching? Will they have enough on the field to keep up with some of these teams and make a playoff
1: run? And you left off one of the teams that I think actually will be in the American Football Conference championship game, the Denver Broncos as well, who may have made the biggest offseason. As Andy Hart likes to say, going to need you to listen. I did mention Denver. Oh, I I was listening the whole time. I didn't think I heard Denver in there. I apologize. Maybe I had my own agenda. Or I was getting ready to pop up our first viewer question right here, Paul. I'll take a a lap afterwards. Uh, James Snead is watching on Facebook. He says, okay, so every day all fans will hear about is who the OC is going to be. Just like last year, we heard about Cam every day, and he got cut. So could this offensive play calling mystery be a little bit of a smokescreen? That's kind of like – is that kind of your theory, Andy? Well, it was my theory – Um, optimistically as a
0: Nick Cayley supporter that the Matt Patricia, Joe judge show was a, uh, a distraction kind of like Cam Newton. And then at the end of the day, Nick Cayley would just slide right in, call plays and say, I've been here five years. I've been learning from Josh. I'm a system product, all of that. Um, I've kind of lost hope in that area because Nick Cayley looks like he's just the
2: tight ends coach. Question, question in the back. Uh yeah. yes. Uh Mr. Does, Perillo, the gentleman does at think uh Joe Belichick State. had no interest in in having Cam Newton be the quarterback last year heading into training camp.
0: Oh, I think he knew before training camp who the starter was and it wasn't Cam Newton.
1: Oh, so you don't think he won it on that famous Wednesday where Mac lit it up against the Giants? No, uh, I'm on the record,
0: the- I believe, June the fifteenth, it was where I said oh, that right. Mac Jones was the starting yeah. quarterback of the New England Patriots. I, I
2: think the day that Cam Newton had a mispractice with COVID was the the day that Bill Belichick decided he's not going to be here. Yeah, that's, that's I, that think was think my in the coffin I don't maybe. think that, that, that was was much ado about nothing. I think that they were they were getting a lot of reps. I mean, that that's a lot of wasted time for a guy that they didn't think was going to be on the team. Hmm. Well, that's a lot, know,
0: lot a lot of, of reps. with an online coach and a and a quarterbacks coach doing exactly. A, and
2: a coach doing it, a, but I Andy, this don't, what I'm don't saying you is, I, I think it's a bad it's a bad analogy.
1: You know, like like last it's year not we were kind of talking
2: about no, but the Cam Newton the, thing,
1: the, literally the relevant. worst playground insult I've ever heard. You're a bad analogy. <laughs> Wait, Pinty, how did you? you? have been working with him for for a couple years now. You haven't heard that, you know, Ugh. caliber of com- of comeback many Hon- times. Honestly, Paul, I used to look fresh as lettuce and people would ask me all the time, like Fitzy slash Nick, how do you look so young? What's your secret? <laughs> Ever since I started working with Andy, I look like I looked inside the Ark of the Covenant. I have just aged like, or I drank from the wrong grail. I've look aged like 20 a thousand years, years. Look what 20
0: years of Paul working with me did. Paul had a full head of hair. It was dark. He was thin. He was, he looked like Nick Casario when he started working with me and now he looks like this. That was a before and after. Um, Hey, Paul, how are you?